0: I'll say this flat out, I don't think in the media we handle stories of faith well. Either we're just, we tiptoe so much we don't even say the truth. (laughs) You know, because we don't, can we say Jesus? I I don't, well, if that's what the person believes, yes, we should say it. If someone acts on that faith, that's just what they did. Report that and let people decide what they want to do with it. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we
1: never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. But first, I have an important question for you. In today's loud social media culture, do you ever feel like you are caught in a hailstorm of competing ideas? unsure of how to discern what is true from what isn't. This week's free download, Truth Tips, will help by addressing six of the most common false beliefs infiltrating our culture today and how to confront them. It will also equip you with four questions to ask to help uncover truth in today's world. So head over to ltw.org candid to get your free download. I recently had the chance to sit down with Mike Galanos, a longtime anchor for CNN Headline News. He is also a brother in Christ. He had just spoken at a men's breakfast that I attended, and I found his commitment to Christ amid a challenging media career very encouraging. I know so many of you are working in secular environments and want to be a witness for Christ but aren't quite sure what that looks like. I think this conversation with Mike will be helpful to you. Now to the interview. It's my great privilege to have Mike Galanos from CNN and Headline News. And Mike, so we're so blessed to have you with us. One of my questions about with journalism, I think, is always, what sort of came first for you? Was it faith? Was it uh, a passion for journalism? And, and then how did those two things... Uh, develop And then when at what point did they cross paths?
0: It's a great question. It gets me thinking back. And, and the true story is it was um, journalism first. But before that, um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story. And it's uh, uh, kind of, an, you know, as I look back on it, um, an interesting story. I wouldn't call it a sad story. But there's an enemy that comes at us early in our life. And I remember, you know, not didn't go to church as a kid. Was not a church going family. Wonderful parents, World War II era the parents. My dad was a served, was a veteran, Navy, World War II, mom, a depression era child. But church was not a fabric in our life. We believed, yes, there's a God, yes to Jesus, but it was more, um, you know, be good and, and things are going to work out for you. Well, there's no assurance in that. And I remember when I was 11 years old, and that was the first time in my life I realized someday I'm going to die, like mortality hit an 11 year old. <laughs> And that's where you miss the grounding of a faith and a church around a kid like that. Because my Mm -hmm. parents, you know, they they weren't equipped to really walk with me through that. They tried and they told me, you're going to go to heaven, but that wasn't Mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wrestling with this as a kid. And if an 11-year-old can be depressed and there's a heaviness, it was that. You know, that's what I dealt with as this 11-year-old kid. And it lasted a couple of months. I'm from Northern California. I'll never forget that fog can set in. I'm from Stockton, California, and that valley fog can set. And when I was going through this, it, it was gray day after day. It was just added to it. And it was two months of trying to wrestle with that. It passed, but I've dealt with that fear really ever since mm-hmm. in different forms. Mm-hmm. As I said, the enemy comes at you. But the vow I made to get back to your question was, okay, if I'm not going to live forever, then I'm going to be famous enough that you're going to remember my name. So the quest was for fame. Mm-hmm. It wasn't faith. It wasn't journalism. It was fame, and that was the vow made. And so I was going to be the professional athlete. Well, I was when you end up five six and you're not running a four four forty, probably not going to happen. But I was good in front of a camera. I was interviewed as a high school athlete. I was like, "Ooh, I think maybe I can talk about it for a living." And then sports casting was the natural offshoot of that. So it was really a quest for fame turned to journalism was the avenue for that. And then along the way, then I came to meet the Lord. Yeah, and, and walk us through that process. So you're in that
1: field of journalism. Your parents are from two different sort of faith backgrounds. Did that play an influence in your life at all, or was it primarily something
0: outside later on in life? Yeah, no, my my mom, Italian, Catholic, dad, Greek, Orthodox. So it wasn't, you know, again, there wasn't... That church on a Sunday type thing. Great people, you know, and I was able to witness to them later in life. And um, that's a story for a different day. Um, But it was more people around me that God is such a pursuer and a fisher of men. So I go through, you know, still living kind of the be good life. You know, I'm a good time Charlie. St. Peter's up there. He's clicking off more goods than bads for Mike. So I'm, I'm good. Not really a theology, but something that a lot of folks subscribe to, and so did i and Along the way though, I finally get a, i go through college, I work at CNN behind the scenes um, and I get a job in reno nevada that 's my first on air job sportscaster i 'm going to be the biggest little sportscaster in the biggest little city. Take the place by storm, and God had other ideas you know i 'm going to be the the TV guy, but in the first month, I meet my wife, and we 've been married twenty seven years wow. first. One of the first conversations we had at our first date was about faith. And uh, she was a believer, had backslidden some. I was searching, and God is, he's setting the table. The meteorologist Mike Alger, he was a fisher of men. The, uh, so he's asking, and he's just there, and he's just a good man and a listener. I like to work out, so the guy at the gym, believer, he's playing Christian music. So all the, you're like, God is just. Closing in on me, and I interviewed this guy. Um, uh, he was a, a roving evangelist who actually played basketball for like the Lakers. He played for UCLA back in the '60s. Told these great stories. But again, God will meet us where we are. Workout guy, sports guy, uh, the weatherman is going to love on you. And uh, so it was all those people that closing in. The hound of heaven was closing in on me, and finally it was after a, a, a newscast. In the parking lot in Reno, Nevada, where Mike, um, the meteorologist, like, you, you think you're saved or not? Let's go. And I gave my life to the Lord. That was the spring of 1993, and everything wow. changed after that. Wow. So, CNN back room,
1: Reno, Nevada front man. What got you back to CNN? What was the? How
0: did that all? work yeah, you know, because I had spent with CNN. I was um, behind the scenes. I got a job. You know, that's a funny story that. You know, I was uh, such a party guy in my hometown after, so I graduate from San Francisco State. to go back to my hometown, and I'm making 400 bucks a month as the part-time afternoon AM radio news guy. Then I'm full-time, and I'm 800 bucks a month, and I'm working at a liquor store on the weekends. Uh, yes, drinking the profits. And so I'm partying it up so much with my old high school buddies, I can't get to work on time, and they fire me. So I'm not even worth 800 bucks a month, you know? And uh, so now I'm a phone bill collector, and I'm working at Red Lobster, slinging the Admiral's Feast. At people. Not making it famous. No. I mean, you're thinking the TV dream and all that's kind of fading. Because yeah. I'm in my hometown working as a waiter, and uh, a friend of mine said, Why don't you apply at CNN? I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, they, you send them a resume, they send you back like some newspaper articles, and then you boil that down to broadcast writing and see what happens. So I did. I had some clever moments, I guess, in that writing, and I got a phone call and said, hey, we want to hire you, a 1000 bucks a month. They call it the VJ program, video journalist, so... Like, okay, here better I go. Better than Red Lobster. It, yeah, better than Red Lobster's right. Uh, and that started the process. So now I work at CNN and you make the connections, you know. I was uh, I got into a sports department where you basically edited watched games and edited highlights. It was fun. Yeah. And then had that moment where my boss goes, Didn't you want to be on TV at some point? So then you make the demo tape, the the sports cast. Right. And you know, I was, there was still the gift there to be able to talk in front of a camera. So I was yeah. good yeah. to the point. That first demo tape, I was a finalist for a job in Bakersfield, California. Went, didn't get it. But eight months later, I remember taking all my demo tapes to all the little cities around Northern California because that's where I'm from. Right. Sacramento, Chico, Redding, San Jose, Monterey, Reno. Yeah. Well, the secretary kept the tape in Reno. That was the one place I didn't meet with anybody. And that's the one person who kept the tape, right. gave it to the sports guy. The sports guy liked it and said, when we have the opening, we'll call him. Then in October of 2000, oh, excuse me, 1991, I get the call and it's time to start the on-air right. career. So right. then it was Reno for a couple of years, loving it, fun, sportscaster. You know, I'm the, I'm the man. Meet the Lord along the way. And my wife, as God had such better plans. And then I just sent a tape back to CNN. Like, you just, how am I doing? Give me a critique. And they're like, wow, you've gotten good. You want to come back? <laughs> wow. So it was relational yeah. connections but had improved. Now I'm coming back to CNN in yeah. 1994.
1: Yeah. In your faith journey, sort of as you're, you come back to Atlanta and get reestablished in CNN, what's,
0: what's sort of that looking like? <sighs> you know, that was, again, that's early on in my faith. So it was important um, we got to find a good church, so my wife and I went to church hopping was well that 's hard <laughs> and yeah. you run into all kinds some vibrant, some not so much in a okay. church.
1: What, what are you looking for in a church at that moment because you 're still young in your faith, yeah,
0: um, I think one thing is hospitality was huge, whether you get it or not. I mean, we went into a couple churches and didn 't even get a hello. <laughs> And you just go sit, and we look at each other, and sure enough, the preaching kind of followed suit. It was very old school, and nothing's wrong with old school, but it, man, is is there a pulse here? Uh, and then somebody, my wife was working at the time, and she, um, someone said, well, try Mount Parent. And that's where we went, right. under Dr. Walker and David right. Cooper, yeah. and that's where you get grounded in, that's where I was grounded in the faith right. there. Right. And then it was... Then you just can't get enough, and you want to get... And then at the launch into men's ministry, Promise Keepers was the movement going in the mid-90s. I'm in. Yeah. I can, you're just that hungry young believer that's ready. Yeah. And God's, okay, yeah. I love yeah. this, let's go. Yeah. Okay, so CNN, I'm
1: sure everyone's got some picture of what that looks like in their mind. Um, but I'm aware CNN is like any other workplace where you're going to have Christians and non-Christians. Um, around you. Uh, and yet it is different because your job is to discuss the issues of the day. It's not like working at IBM or Apple. Your profession is taking those issues of the day, putting them before people and and talking about them. How do you handle that? How do you handle that as a Christian when, when there's... Um, There's such opportunity for for a narrative to take place, and and there's ways
0: of looking at it differently. Well, and that's where you make a difference. I'm glad you said that. You know, there are Christians in the media. And what you deal with, though, sometimes, is the people that are not believers, they're sharp people, they're smart. And those conversations come up. And I think where you can make a difference in how a story is done is you just bring a faith perspective. You're not going to... And that's... That's just where I emanate from, you know, and, and it does, it's not like I'm, I have the freedom to or even should go out there and preach to people, but it's as we plan a story, are we able to at least give a perspective that's going to broaden out how we do it, you know, and that's what, that's what you do. It, it, certainly along, through the years, my 30 plus years there, there have been those times where, hey, my faith wasn't in a news meeting or newsroom right. setting. Our faith was not either portrayed well or bad mouth in a sense, and it 's just and you, you try and handle that well and those are challenging moments either you want to fight for the faith and you 're going to overdo it and become aggressive and it 's like, oh, oh, not the way we wanted to handle that yeah. one
1: yeah but, <laughs> any experience with that yeah,
0: you know there was early on, I remember you know and then this is just people talking nobody 's out to bash the faith per se, but it was a I think the story was James Dobson had said something about a Teletubby. Tinky Winky.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Jerry Falwell.
0: Was it Falwell? Yeah. Okay. And that's the way some of these kind of issues come up. But somebody in the middle of the newsroom just goes, Oh, come on. What do these born-again's want now? So you hear that. You know that's not. That's a derogatory jab. So I'm going to go defend the faith. And next thing I go, not to that person, but the person sitting behind them. But I say it loud enough to where, all right. We're going to engage here. I've made my point. Yeah. And next thing you know, somebody tried to shoot back at me, and I start, my volume goes up. It's not pretty. I end up throwing a ketchup packet off somebody's wall, and it's like, oh. And right as I throw that, I'm like, what are you doing? Gentleness and grace. Yeah. The Christ-like response. This is not. I'm talking like Yoda now, but anyway. um, And those, it's like, that doesn't portray who I am. Yeah. You you know, in the fervor, you're just trying to defend the faith. And someone always said, you know, you're always better received with the upper teeth showing, not the lower teeth. You know, anger doesn't look good, and it doesn't look good on me. I'm not a great debater. I usually get too emotional. And th- those are moments. And, and, you know, the best moments I've had in just being, um, when the faith is not being portrayed or talked about in a good light, is when I just get it's like, I'm here. You know, I've been, I was in a news meeting once and, and something like that was happening. And I just said, that, that you know, it hurts me that something that's so near and dear to me, don't you want, why don't you engage me? And these guys just looked and stopped and go, okay. and, and kind of took, it was a step back for them to say, oh, this guy who says he's a person of faith, a Christian, he's sitting here, he's real, let me touch him. Oh, he's flesh. Yeah. You know, just in this, not to bash them, but it was like, you know, the realization was, you know, our worldviews may not meet, but let's at least hear each other. And and one of the gentlemen was Jewish, and he's like he used a term, he goes, that was a real mensch move, meaning stand up. And it was like, okay, I think that was more Christ-like than throwing the ketchup off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's, um, that's what you were hoping to yeah. do. Am I going to open up the Word and read John three sixteen to somebody? Maybe, but probably more so, I'm going to have more impact by those kind of moments, and just sheer loving people yeah. and listening to them.
1: In thinking about working with people from a different faith background or even politically you know, inclination, I often wonder this question. You know, do, do people who disagree with me, are they malicious? Do they seek the worst for me? I'm uh, just curious to get your take because you've worked in that field a lot more than I have. <laughs> uh, you know, or is it they're just this is what
0: they think is right, and they're fighting for that you know that 's what you've got to stop and go. it is not malicious, you know, and even if there's anything you'd like to see in the media, it's a little more um how do I put it you know just a diversity of thought that were there were people who are hiring, and it could be um it could be different races, different genders it, and do you have people in the room? That have a faith, and let's have that perspective in there, because if you don't, then you get the group think, and I've experienced that, and I've not experienced that, and it's not malicious. It's just where if twelve people in a room and eight think one way, a newscast is going to go that way just by natural inclinations. But if you can diversify that room more so, things are going to be portrayed with a greater sense, a broader sense of, and I think a more real. a better perspective. Yeah. You know?
1: and, and, and I'm assuming you've been the one or two, if there's a group of eight, kind of on the outside. And I think you've already used the illustration of sort of standing up for it. And it sort of, <laughs> it humanizes it for someone else to realize this is a view that probably, because you're, you're representative of, a, of a, a significant group of people, and maybe that's it. And, you know, people think about broadcast media, uh, they think, as a Christian, I don't know if I really want to get into that because it feels like the media is sort of slanted to one side, um, or at least that's the narrative that we we see. But I think to your point, it's worth get into the field because we need people to show that diversity of opinions to the rest of the world. Yes.
0: No. A- a- amen. If I uh, and I've had those conversations with young people who are a little like, "Ooh, I don't know," and like, "Yes," not to like again. Uh, proselytize everybody, but just to say, this is a perspective. Let's think of this, you know, in whatever the story may be. And I'll say this flat out. I don't think in the media we handle stories of faith well. Either we're just, we tiptoe so much, we don't even say the truth, <laughs> you know, because we don't, ooh, can we say Jesus? I, I don't, well, if that's what the person believes, yes, we should say it. Yeah you know if someone acts on that faith that's just what they did report that right. and let people decide what they want to do with it yeah. in a media sense i think the feeling is well if we say jesus or they read the bible that we're like taking that side and and now we're oh we're akin to a christian network and it's like no it's like can't we just if this person did whatever they did because of their faith then say it and whatever the faith may be. You know, we're using the Christian faith right here, but it might be a, another faith perspective that, ins- that influenced how they did what they did. Right. And we should say whatever that is. Or no faith at all. That it should all be equal but all factual. You know, use a, a recent example of the, you know, the young man who hugged the person who shot and killed uh, his brother. Hmm. And that he did it because of his faith. And you should say that. Yeah. You know, he didn't just pull that out of thin air. And, you know, will you play the soundbite where he says, I was forgiven by Jesus. Who am I to judge? So I'm going to hug you. That all should be said because that's the facts of the case. Some grand authority did not put that in his head or in his heart to say that's what he did because of who he is. And people, I think, appreciate that. Yeah. And his
1: desire was for her to know that same love and forgiveness of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Um. I'm just thinking, you know, we, we're, we're touching on this, but the balance of faith and vocation. You know, I think a lot of people think these things should be compartmentalized. you be a Christian on Sunday and do whatever you do with your family, but Monday through Friday, your workplace, that's your environment, you kind of keep that Sunday you at home, kind of, <laughs> so to speak.
0: Has that ever been a, a challenge for you? How do you
1: work that out?
0: Well, I hope that it... Um that i 've not you know I hope I live it the the Sunday me should be the Monday through Saturday, me too, where it's and fact,
1: it, it, I would say as a christian it 's more important, right? yes I mean that 's why it's the first day of the week, yeah,
0: you know that and it's and again it's it 's not coming to work and, and open up the Bible and preaching to people, but it 's living it it 's living what that word says. Well I listen to you, you know i 've tried to go out of my way, whoever it is that I come across and just loving on people and hearing their story, whatever it is that 's how you make uh, make a difference I think that 's a
1: great perspective, a great way to think about it. Um, what are some of the outlets that that
0: God has provided for you ministry wise Well, early on, I think I mentioned it is um, men 's ministry you know um, promise keepers was really rolling in the mid 90s um, so I was able to be a part of that. I was in a great group it was uh, I was in my 30s, Had an African-American pastor in his 40s, another gentleman in his 50s, another guy in his 60s. And just that, you know, there's nothing fancy there. It's just guys coming together. We love the Lord. And what are we up against? And how is God instructing us in that? And it was just, you know, that was just, an again, early in my faith to have that kind of a print on to how powerful it can be to be around other men and just grow together like that. And then I've had the wonderful opportunity to lead couples groups with my wife. So now I've had that opportunity to grow with my wife mm. and, and see her flourish in ministry and be in, in minister to and be ministered to by other couples. Mm. Some of my greatest times in my life was when I've been in a men's group and a couples group. So I'm really growing with my wife, also airing some things out with just men, and man, that's been great. And then most recently I've had a chance and given the opportunity to actually preach on a Sunday. And you're just, um, it's humbling, Mm -hmm. but it's also life-giving to where, you know, God's given me an ability to communicate and speak and to have it, like, come forth here. He doesn't waste anything. Those 30-plus years of, you know, communicating and putting messages together so people understand a new story, now it's playing out biblically to where God's given me the ability to, whether it's a verse and and to tell a story or an illustration that's going to bring it to light to people. Mm -hmm. You're just like, wow, Lord, here we go yeah and so we'll see you know what happens with that it's amazing to be used
1: by God, and sometimes we think feel so inadequate and yet once we've become a believer, we've had that transformation it's obviously an ongoing process, but when you are have that great privilege of being used by God for his purposes, um, you were influenced by a number of of men around you. You talked about the guy with the gym, the uh, meteorologist. Um, is is and, and w- I've just heard you speak at an event before this, and one of the questions was, do you think that impacted your desire for ministry towards men? And obviously, the people listening to this will not have heard that answer. So I'm just curious, you know, to hear from you. You yeah. know, you've been given this thing, and now you want to give back. You know, to and me. I
0: hadn't. Ne- I truth be told, sure. I'd never thought of it that way.
1: He didn't have to think of it. Yeah, right. It was just a natural flow. <laughs> yes,
0: right? exactly. Like, I was thinking, oh, this was a seed planted by this man, so therefore, uh, I'm going to honor him by being, ministering and being a part of the men's group. It just happened naturally. But wow, what a re- and it was a revelation as I spoke uh, earlier, before you and I are meeting now, to have that question thrown my way and go, wow, look at God. <laughs> you know, he's planting seeds mm-hmm. and that I didn't even know. Mm-hmm were blooming in my life, and you're just like, man, he works in ways we cannot see. Yeah, came yeah. full circle, I'll yeah. tell you. You know, absolutely.
1: For the young person who's listening, words of advice, words of wisdom. You know, not just for the journalist, but I mean, for for anyone who has come to faith and is now trying to figure out career, wife, mm. family, all these things. Wow. Um, no pressure.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was We're the gotcha question. In your every word, <laughs> uh, um, and a good question, by the way. And I'm still trying to figure it out myself as we walk. I mean, like the the older I get, the less I know, and that's a good thing. You know, it gets simpler. Lord, I want to know you and make you known. How are you going to? How's this going to play out? So, the advice is, you know, to be in His Word and sit at His feet. Don't be worried about. I've got to do this. I've got a five-minute devotion. Check. Check. No. Shut the phone off. Wake up and let the first thing that instructs you is Him. Put the phone away, the iPad, the computer, all of that, and sit down and go, Lord, help me. What does this day hold for us? You know, and that could be in His Word. It could be in just silence. He wants to speak and instruct us. And if you do that day-to-day, those bigger questions or you think are bigger questions will naturally answer themselves. He wants to show us His way. Now, He may require some steps of faith where it's dark and we got to trust Him, but the more you walk with Him, the more you know He's a faithful God. And that's the... I'm still trying to learn that because I've been in all those seasons where you're like, okay, here's the devotion. Got it. And God works in that, and you get a good word. But He wants more of the heart of Mary that just sits at His feet and less the heart... Because this world's a Martha world. Do, do. You get cheered for being Martha. Absolutely. Do more. Yeah. I'm juggling. Great. You must be important. You've got a thousand different things going on. Mary chose wisely. did not that what Jesus said? It won't be taken from her. So that's sit at his feet. Let him instruct you and watch him move and let him surprise you and live the adventure. Yeah. Or do it yourself and be Martha. <laughs> Let's see where right. that leads you. Yeah.
1: Well, Mike, it's been a privilege to have you on the program. Thank you for coming and sharing with us, and uh, maybe we'll have you back again soon. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. By subscribing, you make sure you never miss an episode. It's delivered to you as soon as we release it. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit ltw.org slash candid to connect with these pages, share your questions with me, and get this week's free download, Truth Tips. As always, thank you for listening and for sharing this episode.